As always, check out the show notes to see this episode's sponsors. OriginUSA.com, code SAVAGE at checkout, 10% off. Rising Sun, 207.com, code SAVAGE at checkout, 10% off. Quick, simple, and now to the podcast. Well, hello and welcome to Savage and More. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty awesome. Had a shitty start to the day, you know, feeling feeling a little anxiety, a little stress. But, you know, got some hydration into me. Got some supplements into me. And now feeling pretty good. So I bet you're wondering, this week, what do I find Savage? <laughs> and it's something that hits close to home. It's something that's hard to talk about, but we need to bring it to the forefront. So what I find savage this week is men being able to ask for help when they're suffering with mental health issues. We have a gigantic stigma around men being able to ask for help with whatever they're suffering with mentally. We're taught growing up, and I'm a classic example of this. You know, you got to be the strong, silent type. That's what you're going to deal with. So no matter what you face, you're going to hold it inside and you're going to suffer in silence because you just assume you're going to get through it and be fine. Well, actually turns out that that's not the case. Um, you know, depression leading to suicide is becoming one of the leading causes of death in men overall. And this is happening with men younger now, and this is happening with men older. So this isn't just an isolated thing. And men are two to three more times more likely to abuse drugs or alcohol to deal with the suffering of of the mental health issues they're having. And that's just crazy. So I wanted to kind of give you my story. It's kind of like my anti-aging podcast. This This is what I went through. This is what I did that works for me, might not work for you. But if one person out there can take from this podcast like yeah it's okay to ask for help i'm gonna get some help and this podcast is just absolutely worth it i hope it's more than one person but if we can get just one person to step up and ask for help then that's that's a step in the right direction so first thing let's talk about when it's time to ask for help it's It's these changes that you or your loved ones are going to see, and it should be a red flag where you're going to ask for help. Change in mood. That's that's a pretty obvious one. Uh, Difference in work performance. 
you know, your work goes downhill and people will notice weight changes, whether up or down, uh, physical symptoms, you know, stuff going on with your, your stomach headaches, um, being tired all the time or, or actually not being tired and not sleeping and way too much energy. And then lastly, um, you know, losing pleasure in things you enjoyed. So hobbies, um, events, things like that. Uh, you, you just, you start losing pleasure for that. Sadness sets in, uh, you feel helpless. And that's how you look for it. And if you can't see it in yourself, but somebody else can, then maybe take a step back and evaluate that and trust that person. Because if they're speaking up to you, they see you in trouble. And the, the last thing we want to see, and it's, it's such an epidemic, is more male suicide. Um, and men typically, when they decide to commit suicide, they will do it three times more than a woman. But the big difference is a man selects a method that will finish it. So more men are dying from suicide because they're choosing ways that guarantee they die. And that should say a lot what's going on with this epidemic. So let's get into my story. <laughs> um, I really think my, my first exposure to mental health problems, and I didn't understand it until I was you know, probably well into my 20s is my birth mother had a severe mental health issue. Um, she, she really enjoyed physical abuse. She really enjoyed mental torture. Um, she really enjoyed embarrassing me in front of my friends. Like, she was sadistic. But at the time growing up... Um, she had convinced me that this was normal. And I never, ever talked to anybody about it because she had convinced me that it was normal. And it's funny how your childhood's going to steer the rest of your life, um, but it certainly did. So that was my, my first exposure. But like I said, I didn't understand until I was well into my 20s that that was, you know a severe mental health issue. Um, and for whatever reason, I got the brunt of her mental health issues. Um, actually, it's not for whatever reason. I do understand. I, I, From her end, I wasn't wanted. I wasn't planned. Uh, my brother, you're not going to do anything to because he was, he was disabled, um, you know, mentally handicapped. And then she wanted my sister. So I got the brunt. I got the, the focus of all her issues. So my first, and then from there, my first exposure to a mental health professional was my birth mother when my parents were getting close to separating, forcing my father to go into counseling, but she didn't have to. And then she had that same 
counselor talked to the three of us and I'm, and I'm the oldest, um, out of my siblings. Um, and I just remember that's where I kind of picked up my hatred for therapists. Um, you know, he, he told us that it wasn't our fault that our parents were separating. And I just remember saying, I know it's, well, mom at the time, but she's not my mom now. Mom cheated on my dad several times. And then the therapist told me that's not what's going on. (laughs) You know, that's, so that really gave me a bad taste for, for therapists. That's when I was 13. Um, That was a hell of a year when my parents started going through the fighting, the separation, the divorce, like all of that stuff. So here I am, been tortured by this evil person as a child. Um, And it did stop when I went through puberty. You know, there was this summer, end of school, sixth grade, I was 5'1". Going through that summer, coming back, uh, I was 5'8", 7 inches in a in a summer, and I was bigger than Joanne. And I just remember, and, the, and this isn't the right thing, I don't advocate this, <clears throat> but she had finally just, she found my, my point, my line. I was doing dishes, and she was holding a cookie sheet. And whatever she said, threw a punch into that cookie sheet and it went into her face. She never mentally tortured me again. She never physically hurt me again. She never embarrassed me in front of my friends again. And please don't use violence to, <laughs> to solve issues. It, it, at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's not worth it because um, it can take you down a dark path. So parents get divorced, all that fun stuff. Um, And still, like, my dad doesn't know what Joanne did to me. And I just remember (laughs) 14 years old, February vacation. I made a, I went back to Bangor because we moved when my dad remarried uh, to hang out for the week because that's where all my friends were. And I made some comment in my my grandmother's living room. And I, I, I don't remember what the comment was. But that triggered in her, oh, shit. Jason went through some really bad stuff with Joanne. So, you know, she, she told my father and he asked me about it. And I was like, yeah, that all happened. And he told me it wasn't right and and what it really was. Um, and I think that's when my, my mental health issues kicked in. Uh, I became extremely angry. Um, lots of fighting, not caring. Um, my stepmom, it was really difficult on her. She felt like she couldn't discipline me, tell me what to do. Cause I was just going to do whatever the hell I wanted anyway. And during that time too, my dad was, was cutting me a lot of slack because he found out what Joanne had done to me and he felt guilty. So it was a really 
bad time, my, my high school years. Um, and then my, my senior year in high school, here I am, um, almost 18. And that year, uh, my uncle who I loved right to death got really sick and he did eventually, uh, pass away pretty quickly from a rare form of, uh, stomach cancer. Um, that even pushed me further over the edge and, you know, my dad, my stepmom decided to put me into counseling at that point because they just saw the anger was becoming uncontrollable. Well, unfortunately, uh, as a family, we had some financial hardships and our medical insurance wasn't the best. So I got about a month of it and then they couldn't afford it anymore. And anybody that's been in any type of real counseling, done the real therapy knows like a month is going to do nothing. And that's exactly uh, what it did. Like, it was an inconvenience to me. So with with all those things going on, you know, here I am. Now I'm 18 out of high school. I'm an adult. Um, I was a pretty bad person. Um, I didn't treat women well. Mind you, I would never hit a woman, but they didn't get the best treatment from me. Um, angry all the time um, to the point that uh, my oldest, Noah, uh, his mother and I, we, you know, high school sweethearts, kid young. Um, but I can, I can look back and, and see that, you know, her leaving and not wanting to work on staying together, it, it, was, it was my fault because of my shit. It was tough. You know, my, my son was one and boom, he's gone. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, wasn't a great time. And I, I did spiral, um, even more, uh, to the point that I did, <laughs> God, I think I was 25. Um, no, not 25. I was, tw- well, I turned 25 during this. Um, I had to move back in with my parents because it's like being on my own wasn't working like I couldn't like couldn't keep the job couldn't figure out how to pay rent like I was just an absolute mess uh moved back in with my parents somehow got my head on straight and you know got myself out of there in a in a quick amount of time because you know if you're 25 you don't want to be um living in your parents basement when you've already you know, had your independence. And then from that time period, until about 2016, not great, not awful, not great. Um, Failed relationships, constant changing of, of, of jobs. Um, and just not a happy person. Um, you know, moved moved out of Maine to New Jersey um, with, you know, wife and, and son Judah and Sage eventually uh, came along. Um, and during that time, I, I did do counseling. Um, but I felt like I, I did take it as a way just to like suppress things, not to get over them. And, you know, 
2015, 2016-ish. I'm like, all right, I got this. Stop counseling. Um, life seemed pretty good, uh, but the, the anger was still there. It didn't, didn't go anywhere. <laughs> and then the opportunity came to come home to Maine. And I was convinced that is the thing that I need to be the best me. I need to come home to Maine. That's what I need. That's, that's the fix it. That, that's the drug I need to feel normal. So came home to Maine. Um, came back in August of 2019. And very, very happy to be back. Um, saw some old friends. You know, got reconnected with them. Felt like I was finding missi- missing pieces of the things I needed to be mentally strong. But October of 2019 is where it all just went to shit. Uh, my little brother, Ryan, uh, was unfortunately killed in a work accident. And I did not handle that well. Um, immediately started drinking whiskey. Immediately buried the pain. And got beyond angry. Um, the company that that killed my brother, and and mind you, I feel they killed him, even if it was an accident. Um, they're the largest waste removal company in Maine. So everywhere I would go, because you know where I work, if you know Maine, I cover Richmond, Maine to Kittery. That's a big chunk of Maine. Well, that company has trash trucks. And dumpsters everywhere. So every day was a trigger for me. And like I said, what do guys do to, to medicate pain? Yeah, they, they seek out substances. I sought out Lagavulin and whiskey. Problem with that is that $80, $90 a bottle gets really expensive. But that's how I kind of dealt with the pain. Then I really started to notice some physical things going on. Uh, In my old work truck, I would grip the steering wheel so tight that I would move my hands back and forth and it would actually rub off the material on the steering wheel like I was wearing it out. Um, Constant full body like tension, just, you know, always with tension. And it, it wasn't great. And it, and it wasn't just family. It was everybody saw what was going on. But I wasn't going to ask for help. I'm going to suffer in silence. And that, that really did happen. I actually started talking less to people. Because I felt like it was my pain. I need to deal with it. I don't need to talk to anybody. The other thing with, with my brother's death and now it's, it's still fresh with me, uh, is the regret. Moved back to Maine in August, you know, I've been in Jersey and, you know, when we come up to Maine to visit, I would see my brother on holidays. Um, so I was like, all right, back in Maine, 
yeah, I got to see Ryan, but you know what? I'll, I'll wait till Thanksgiving. I'll see him at Thanksgiving. I'll see him at Christmas. It will be fine. And he was killed the week before Halloween. And the, the thing about regret is it doesn't lessen with time. And the other thing with the regret, you can't go back and change it. And it still, it still eats me up right now. It's not as bad as it was, but it still eats me up. So from there, it just got, it finally got to the point physically, like I hated life. Like physically, I could not take life. So I, I, for whatever reason, had clarity and was like, I need fucking help. Um, so my wonderful friend, Crystal, uh, was the medical assistant for my doctor. She's actually an RN now. So awesome work, Crystal. Um, I knew that whatever was going on with this anxiety, you know, my blood pressure, my heart rate and stuff, like I needed some type of medical intervention. So I reached out to her, told her what I was going through, but how I really didn't want to ask the doctor for help. And she simply said, Jason, just trust him. He's going to do what's in your best interest. I said, okay. So I made the appointment. And during that appointment, the weirdest thing happened. My doctor spent 45 minutes to an hour with me. I was the last appointment of the day. Now, typically in these big medical offices, you get 15 minutes, boom, you're done. And that's what I was kind of expecting. But he asked me what was going on with my life. Uh, he actually went online and printed out a stack of possible counselors. And then he broke down medications that he wanted me to consider. And Zoloft was his first pick. So we went with that. And, and I got to preface this. Zoloft did not work for me. It actually caused more damage and more problems. The problem with psychiatric medication is the scientists and the doctors aren't 100% sure how it works. Like, they're trying to mess with serotonin, dopamine, like the, the receptors in your brain trying to fix things. And you know what? Some psychiatric medications provide benefits to people. It really does. Like, you know, being able to function and, and deal with the everyday things, it... I'm not saying don't use psychiatric medication. What I'm saying, though, is do your research and understand what that medication possibly could do to you. So I, I was put on that, and I got a counselor. Um, and that's when things really kind of took a bit of a turn for the worse for me. Um, the counselor I was not a fan of, um, she would talk about her political beliefs, her personal life, like things where I'm like, no, like this doesn't help me. So I left her. And, and that's something I learned. It's okay to kind of shop around counselors. Find the one that's a fit for you. And that's what I did. My second counselor uh, didn't work out either um, because she, her daughter went to school with my son and my son was extremely nice to her so she treated me like a friend in those sessions and it just it did it didn't work 
Um, so during those two counselors, the Zoloft was taking effect. And what it did is it completely turned me off. No, like turned off caring, turned off emotions, turned off good judgment. And what it turned on was leaning harder into alcohol and leaning harder into substances to numb things even more. Like I, I, I just didn't care. And then made me gain weight because I didn't care. I didn't care about working out. I didn't care about eating right. It was bad. It was really bad. Um, for anybody that dealt with me during those times, I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I was not the best me. So one day I had three minutes of clarity. I don't know what it was. My brain decided to turn itself back on for three minutes. And it's, my brain screamed to me, get off of Zoloft and get away from this counselor. Because this is not working. I mean, I was sitting at 240 pounds. Like, I really jumped in weight. Went to the doctor, told him what was going on, asked me if I wanted to go on a new medication. I said, nope, I would rather face my emotions head on. I'm going to find a, 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 new, a new counselor. I said, this, this just, it's not good for me. Please, can we get off of it? And he came up with a plan to gradually get me off of it. It was going to take a month to six weeks. Uh, I completely ignored the medical advice, like to safely come off. Uh, within two weeks, I was done. I had it out of my, well, I didn't have it out of my system, but I was done taking the medication. Four to six more weeks of the Zoloft life, no thank you. And then I found a new counselor, but this time... I found a doctor, um, a psychiatrist, like somebody that's pretty high level and had to get a lot of schooling to get that, you know, that, that PhD. Um, and I'm not sure when I kind of started with her, I think it was the end of the summer. Um, but I've gone every Thursday, three to four o'clock since I think it was the end of the summer and here we are in March. Um, I'm able to, to talk, I'm able to process and I'm able to feel the things that are causing the issues. You know, that's the other thing as a guy, you're taught it's okay to be angry. Like that, that makes you a man. Well, it turns out anger isn't the feeling. There's something that's causing the anger. Anxiety, stress, depression, self-doubt, things like that combine together and that makes your anger. <laughs> I learned that. So I'm still still in counseling. I'm, I'm not going to leave it. Um, however long it takes is, is how long it takes. You know, one hour a week talking and, and processing and, and becoming a better me it's pretty goddamn good self-investment. But it's not just the counseling that, that's been working for me. It's also, I, 
I decided to do things. Um, I know in the anti-aging podcast, I talked about LDN. Um, you know, it fights inflammation. That's how you fight aging. Other thing it, do, it does too is it fights inflammation in the brain. And, and some of our depression, sadness issues can be from inflammation. So taking that, I really believe besides the inflammation in my body, it helped the inf inflammation in my brain. Um. And then I figured out, like, I got to get blood pumping through my body again. So, you know, onto the treadmill, into the sauna, outside doing the physical manual, like, just getting dirty and sweaty yard work. And I got to tell you, that, that everything combined there, oh, and getting rid of fucking sugar, too. <laughs> um, it's probably the mixing everything together, that was probably the best drug I could go on. Um, here I am today. I can be open and say, yeah, as a man, I figured out I had to ask for help. But also, when I asked for help, I let the help come in. I just didn't ask for help because, oh, this is what you do. Like, I actually took it. And it was great. And like I said, it's still a process. I'm still working. Um, you know, my those underlying issues, they're not gone, but I understand, you know, things that are, do cause the anxiety that can to lead to anger and how to kind of stop it. Um, the other thing, too, that can really help start reading, like figure, figure out things internally like I, I reading philosophy books um there are some self-help books i guess yeah um i i do struggle with them um you know reading things like psychology today um to understand yourself better it's gonna it's gonna help so that's what's savage this week it is so fucking savage for a man to ask for help when he's struggling with mental health issues. And if you're out there struggling and you don't know how to ask for help, I can help you. I, I can't give you answers. I can give you some recommendations. I can be a sounding board for you. But I really think it's time that we step up and we fight male suicide because it is astronomical. And the numbers, ugh, when you add in what veterans are going through, it's absolutely unacceptable. So if you want to talk, and by talk, I mean, you know, message, my, my email's in the show notes. My Instagram and Twitter are also in the show notes. So if you don't want to email, you just want a direct message. I promise you, I'll answer you. If you have any questions, I'll I'll. I'll answer them to the best of my ability. And I can, can make some recommendations. Um, but I'm telling you right now, ask for help, get into counseling and do go see your doctor. Because if there are, if there's some bad physical things going on, your doctor can help with that. But yeah, that's the podcast for this week. Hope you enjoyed it and I'll be back on Friday. <laughs>